Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching from our lead pastor, Adam Scott. Hey, just do it. What have you got to lose? You guys give it up for a story that makes the darkness tremble. Man, we sang those words a few minutes ago, but it's stories like this that Jesus uses to make it happen. People that say, you know what? I have experienced God's love for myself and I want so desperately for other people to experience it that I'm gonna invest in God's kingdom so that his word can be proclaimed all over the world. Man, that's a huge thing. I want you to know, we recognize that gas prices are so high right now that Tom Brady has gone back to work, okay? I get it. We live in crazy times, but still you guys are stepping up to the plate. And every single week, we got more people that are taking the giving challenge. We got more people that are saying, I am gonna contribute with my time, with my talents, with my resources to make God's name famous in and through Northridge. And I am excited and eternally grateful for you guys for all that you're doing. Listen, if you're ready to take the 90-day giving challenge, or if you're just interested in learning a little bit more about it, this is our money-back guarantee if you give for 90 days. We give out 100% of your money back. If you don't experience God's presence at work in your life, you can learn about that or sign up by scanning that QR code in the seat pocket in front of you. All the information is there and we'd love to get you signed up in that way. Hey, one more announcement that's gonna make the darkness tremble. Did y'all know that Easter is coming up? And we typically like to celebrate that as a church. Easter is our biggest day of the year. And not only that, but it is the best opportunity we have to invite people from the community to come experience the love of Jesus with us. Did you know statistics say that in 2021, okay, just last year, 94% of people said they would attend an Easter service with a friend if they invited them to come. That's crazy, right? Yeah, I just completely made that up. But listen... (laughs) We're gonna live like it's true and we're gonna invite every single person we can to experience the love of Jesus right here with us. We got three different opportunities this Easter, Saturday night, that's April 16th at 5 p.m. After that service, we're actually gonna have a photo booth. We're gonna have an Easter egg hunt for the kids. You definitely wanna be here for that one. Sunday, identical services at 9.30 and 11 o'clock. You can invite people to come to those as well. Listen, we're gonna post some things like this graphic this week on social media so that you can start to share it with everybody that you know. But can I make a big ask before we move on with this? Okay, if you're a Northridge Christian and you have the ability, will you consider coming on Saturday? Because what that does is that allows us to open up space for even more people to come in here and experience the love of Jesus. And if you have to come on Sunday, that's great. We'll celebrate with you then too. But here's what I want from you because you're a Northridge Christian that loves Jesus and loves this community. You're gonna take the worst parking spot in this parking lot and you're gonna take the most inconvenient seat possible in this worship center so that you can make sure that the people who are visiting that day experience the love of Jesus and the best possible atmosphere we can create them. Sound good? All right, cool. 
let's get after it. This probably won't come as a surprise to many of you, but I own a lot of Bibles, okay? It just kind of comes with the territory. I've got a lot of translations that all offer unique insight into God's word. I've got an archeological study Bible um, that unpacks like places and objects and, and, and key facts that, that, uh, that, that connect with Bible times. I've got the Jesus Bible by Louis Giglio that, that helps you experience Jesus on every single page of the Bible. I've got a Bible that was given to me when I graduated from college. All the professors signed it. I've got one that was given to me when I was ordained into ministry. But let me tell you something. I have one that is even more personal and unique than all of those. You see, this Bible right here was given to me by the students in the ministry that I led for 10 years when I was leaving to come to Northridge Christian Church. And what these students did after 10 years of ministry is they, they pulled up their favorite verses or their favorite stories or their favorite chapters and they highlighted it in this Bible that they gave to me. And they took notes out beside it telling me why it was significant for them. I wanna read some of these things to you. Layla, on one of the pages, she highlighted a section and said that a sermon I preached on this passage inspired her to share Jesus with others. How cool is that? Like that fills me up and gets me excited. There's another one, Will highlighted a verse and he said that our conversations about that verse helped him find the path that God wanted him to go on. That gets me energized and excited realizing that that happened. Bradley, he highlighted a passage right here and he talked about how I helped him preach his first sermon on it. And what's cool about that is he preached that sermon while he was in high school, but he's getting ready to graduate from Bible college with a degree in student ministry where he's gonna be preaching a whole lot more sermons and it all started right here. That's really cool and exciting. Couple more, Mackenzie wrote along the side of one page next to a story, the same words that I apparently wrote to her when she graduated and went off to, to college. Be yourself, have fun, stay focused on Jesus. The rest will work itself out. Um, that's cool, that makes me smile. And one more, somebody even highlighted a passage in Matthew where Jesus talks about worry. Now the truth is, I don't know who wrote it and I don't know why it was significant to them because penmanship is not something that we taught in that student ministry. Okay, I can't really read it, but it was significant and that brings a smile to my face. Listen, every time I look through this Bible, I'll pull it off the shelf and it, it just makes me excited. You know, the printed material here is identical to, to so many other Bibles that I have on the shelf, but it's special to me because there's ministry in the margins. There are stories of, of life change and growth and surrender. There are names, memories, and experiences that are written into the blank spaces and that sets my heart on fire. Listen, that's what I want us to talk about today. Okay, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Ministry happens in the margin. Not just of the Bible that you've been given, but in the margin of life. That's where ministry happens. You see, margin is the space between our load and our limits. It's the buffer between what we have to do and what we have to offer. It's, it's the breathing room that keeps us sane and allows us to be generous to other people. The problem is that in our world, our load is often a whole lot greater than our limits. You see, we live in a fast-paced world where we wear busyness like a, like a badge of honor. We push ourselves frequently beyond what we can possibly offer. And as a result, we don't have margin in our schedules and we don't have margin in our finances and we don't have margin in our energy to embrace the moments where real ministry happens. You see, here's what I believe. I believe that the problem is not that we don't want to be generous or help others. I think we all would say we want that. 
The problem is that we don't have the margin to do so. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look through the Bible and we're going to find out what the Bible says about margin. And then we're going to come together at the end and we're going to find out three takeaways, practical things we can do to embrace margin in our lives so that ministry can flow through us. Let's start with God's instruction to the Israelites in Exodus chapter 20, verses 9 through 10. It says, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Listen, from the very beginning, God establishes this rhythm of margin into the lives of his people. He says, what I want from my people is that you work hard for six days. I mean, work and work and work and grind and grind and grind, but on the seventh day, rest. Take a step back and and let life catch up. He says to make this a priority, not just for yourselves, but everybody under your care needs to have this as a priority in their lives. Your children, your, your servants, your employees, even your animals. Get that, he's telling you that Fluffy needs a day off to rest. He says every single thing that has breath needs a rhythm of margin to sustain its calling. Listen, I love this because there are studies in our world right now that are happening. They're coming out today and, and they say that they've, they've found this brand new concept that if you work for six days and then take one day to, to rest and unplug and disconnect, then, then productivity goes through the roof and, and longevity in your position, it, it's just, it skyrockets. Isn't that incredible? Like we are just now discovering some revolutionary new ideas that are gonna absolutely transform the workplace. And we've been saying it for thousands of years. God modeled this and science is now confirming it. God built this into his plan for his people and science is just now catching up. But let me tell you something, he doesn't stop there. You see, if we were to flip ahead a few pages into the book of Leviticus, there's a a section within Leviticus where God is challenging his people to love their neighbor. He says, "I, I want you to embrace these principles. Don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, like all these important things. But then in in this passage in Leviticus 19, verses 9 through 10, he gives them a very specific instruction. This is what he says: when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner, for I am the Lord your God. Listen, ancient methods of harvesting were not nearly as efficient as they are today, but but here God says, I want them to become even less efficient. He says, when you go and plow your fields, when you go out there and and reap your harvest, just leave the corners undone. Like don't go all the way to the ends, leave a barrier so that you have a little bit left behind. Second, he says, I want you to leave whatever you drop on the ground. Like if you're carrying this big pile of grapes and apples and whatever else and they fall to the ground, just just leave those there and, and allow them to be used for a different purpose. He says, as you go up and down your fields, he says, if there's something that's, that's, that's not quite ready to be picked, don't go back a second time to get it. Just, just leave it behind. Don't take it right now. That's crazy. Like a good business person says, take everything you can get your hands on. But God doesn't do that. 
Instead, God instructs the Israelites to leave so much behind. Why? So that it could be made available to the less fortunate. You see, God understands something in this passage that we need to understand too. The greatest obstacle we have to loving our neighbor is not that we don't have any room in our lives to act, or I'm sorry, the greatest obstacle we have to loving our neighbor is that we don't have any room in our lives to actually get involved in theirs. And so what he says is leave margin so that when I bring a, a less fortunate person into your life, you have something to give to them. You see, he calls his people then and he calls his people now to abandon efficiency and profit for the sake of generosity and love. Why? Because ministry happens in the margins. Jesus lived this out in his life as well. You see, as we look at Jesus' life, we, we, we realize that we know more about Jesus because of the interruptions and the interactions that he experienced than we do from his actual teaching. Over and over and over again throughout the New Testament and the Gospels, Jesus is having these encounters with people and how he handles these encounters shows us that he lived out these principles. See, at one time Jesus was teaching in a house and all of a sudden the roof opens up and, and, and there's these people, they lower this man down to him. And we don't really know what Jesus was teaching on in that moment, but we know that he allowed the interruption to happen. And we know that forgiveness is possible and healing is possible through his power because he embraced the interruption. Another time Jesus is taken off to a solitary place to get some alone time. Anybody feel like you need a little bit of that? Okay. He's taken off to be alone because his, his friend, his cousin had just been killed, John the Baptist. And when he gets there, he finds that a crowd of people already beat him there. Rather than just turning him away and saying, no, 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 I don't, I can't help you now. I'm spread too thin. He spends time embracing them and caring for them and healing them, even feeding them and meeting their physical needs. Even when his life was on the line, Jesus had time for other people's problems. You see, the Bible tells us that, that while the Pharisees gathered to plot how they could kill Jesus, Jesus knew about it, but still he lingered around because there were people that had a need and he wanted to spend time with those people. And the list goes on and on and on and on throughout the gospels. Jesus was busy, but he understood that ministry and life change happens in the margins of life. It happens in the gaps and the spaces between what seems to be the most important thing about us. You see, Jesus left room in his schedule and he left room in his energy so that he could make helping others a priority in his life. And listen, he challenges us to do the same thing. See, if we're being honest right now, we would often say that we believe the greatest thing we're gonna do for the kingdom of God. I mean, the thing that we're gonna do that's gonna be the biggest bang for its buck, like this is what's gonna make a difference is, is gonna be something that comes out of our strategic movements or, or something that overflows from our rigorous schedules or something that, that we accomplish in the future when we're smarter or better or, or, or better gifted. But over and over again in the Bible, we see that the ministry of loving people the ministry of caring for people, the ministry of making a difference in this world happens when we build enough margin in our lives to actually get involved in theirs. See, it happens when we have time to embrace interruptions as divine opportunities. It happens when we have enough resources that we can share them with somebody who's in need. 
It happens when we have time to let our mind gaze away from our problems and our responsibilities and onto the problems and responsibilities of the people around us. Let me ask you something. Based on that, how much margin do you have in your life right now? And is it enough to let ministry flow through you? Listen, I got a call this past week. It was Wednesday night and I was leaving the church and and uh, we had a cook team that was out in the kitchen and, and they, were, they were finishing up and all the water was going down through the sink and, and the drain pipe down underneath it somehow got clogged, okay? One of y'all's been pouring macaroni noodles or something down our sink. But whatever it was, it was clogged up and so all of a sudden that water that, that had a direction, it knew where it was going, it was moving in this direction, it had to abandon ship and say, this isn't gonna work. I gotta find another pathway to get where I need to go. And our kitchen was backed up and there was water everywhere, so I took off and went home. And um, the next morning, <laughs> that's not a lie, is it, Kristen? <laughs> The next morning, by like 8.15, we had a plumber that was out here and doing work, and they, they fixed the clog, and when they fixed the clog, all of a sudden, it was able to do what it was designed to do again. Listen, I tell you that to say this. Today, I want to get super practical about what we can do to build the kind of margin that God desires to use to impact the world through us. Specifically, I want us to look at what it is in our life that's clogging up our ability to be used by God to let ministry flow through us. And I want to do the hard work of keeping the pipes clean so that ministry will just constantly flow through us every day of our lives. Listen, I'm going to share three things on this list, and not a single one of them is revolutionary. There's nothing deep about this list. I'm probably not even going to teach you anything you don't already know. But I'm hoping that within the context of Exodus and Leviticus and Jesus' stories and so many other places in the Bible, that it'll motivate us to get serious about this and to take action so that we'll have margin for the things Jesus introduces into our lives. Here's the first one, trim the fat, trim the fat. This isn't about weight loss, okay? January has come and gone. This is about changing the way we live. If our lives are filled to the brim and overflowing, it's time that we ask God what we can cut out so that we have room to grow, to breathe, and to minister to others. That's what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse one. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. This is a significant verse because we expect this, right? We expect it to say, if there's sin in your life, you gotta throw it off so that you can run towards what God has in store for you. But the fact that this is mentioned too means that there are other non-sinful things that clog up our lives that prevent us from experiencing all God wants to do through us. We've got to figure out what those things are so that we can get rid of them and open ourselves up to God. I like the way Bob Goff talks about this. Me and Bob are best friends. I don't know if I've told you that before, uh, but I met Bob Goff once. We hung out for like 30 seconds and I didn't really say anything. But in that moment, there was definitely a connection and we grew closer together. And, and, uh, and so now when I read his books, I hear his voice and man, it just becomes so much more rich. And, and I, I remember reading about this one thing that he does that is extremely weird, okay? There's a lot of things he does that's weird. This is like extremely weird. But every time he buys a new pair of pants, he, he takes a a pair of scissors and he cuts the left pocket out of it. Like he said, it could be like an expensive suit. It doesn't matter. He, first thing he's going to do is cut the left pocket out of it. Why does he do that? Well, because he says, I want, I want to put things in my right pocket. 
And when my right pocket gets full, I wanna have to prioritize what really matters, take everything else out and move it to the left pocket. It falls straight to the ground and I leave it behind and I don't think about it anymore. What a powerful daily reminder to make room for the things that God has in store for us next. Listen, we're gonna pass these scissors around. If you wanna cut your left pocket out, you be my guest. And every single day you will remember that you have a responsibility to cut things out of your life so that you can experience what God has in store for you. Listen, maybe you don't wanna physically cut your pocket out because that's kind of weird and he's patented it, but but maybe you wanna settle for the metaphorical lesson. Either way, we need to ask ourselves regularly, what non-essential clutter could we improve our lives by moving to the left pocket? And are we removing enough things that we have time, energy, and resources to jump on the next opportunity that God sends walking through our door? Listen, maybe for you it's stuff. Maybe for you it's behavior patterns. Maybe it's time commitments. Maybe it's financial restraints. Maybe it's something else. In order to build margin, we gotta take an audit of our lives and we've gotta trim the fat. We have to simplify for the sake of significance. Here's the second tip. Define the boundaries. Define boundaries. See, we've gotta determine what we're gonna say no to so that we know what we can say yes to. See, this is modeled in the story of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10. And it's one of my favorite stories because it's one of the most convicting stories for me in the Bible. You see, Jesus comes into town and Mary and Martha are spending time with him, but, but Martha's priorities are, are hospitality. It's cooking, it's cleaning, it's taking care of all the needs. And so that's what she invests herself in and that's good. But Mary decides that her priority is sitting at the feet of Jesus and that is better. You see, Mary decides that when Jesus comes to town, chores are out of bounds for her. And as a result, she reacts to the opportunity in front of her without being restricted by Martha's yeses. Listen, that should be our goal in setting boundaries around parts of our lives. In the physical world, boundaries are simple, right? You got fences, signs, walls, hedges, moats with alligators. Anybody got one of those? They all proclaim that this is my space. This is my property. This is where my liability begins. If it happens within these boundaries, I'm responsible. But if it happens outside of these boundaries, I'm not responsible. Listen, in our spiritual lives, we've got to create boundaries that are just as tangible as that. If we say yes to everything, we won't have margin for anything. I like the way Lisa Turkhurst says this in her book, The Best Yes. Some of y'all need to hang this on your wall. Just remember, not every responsibility can be your responsibility. Not every responsibility can be your responsibility. See, every single one of us has 24 hours in a day. We all have seven days in a week. And it's important to set healthy boundaries to keep from having our time, our energy, and our resources hijacked by everything that comes along. These are finite resources and they need to be protected. You know who I think struggles with this more than anybody else? It's two different groups that you don't typically group together, but it's college students and retired adults. These are the two groups that struggle the most with this. College students, because they will volunteer at three different churches, four different organizations, and they'll participate in 14 clubs at school while also playing a sport. Okay, they spread themselves so thin. Retired adults, they have all this free time, right? And so they spend 90 hours a week and 75% of their income working on everybody else's problems. Listen, in both cases, the intentions are to do the most good possible. 
but in pursuit of significance, both groups spread themselves so thin that they can't really commit themselves to anything and they don't have the kind of margin in their lives to embrace the God-sized opportunities that present themselves each and every day. Listen, whatever stage of life you're in, you have permission to say no, to set boundaries so that you can experience the best things that God has in store for you. Here's a third and final tip. Set realistic goals. See, if we don't set goals, we just get tossed from one thing to the next. Before long, we're running behind on the things that must be done, leaving us with absolutely no margin for generosity. If we set goals that are too lofty, we punish everybody in the path because we're behind before we get started. Realistic goals allow us to focus and prioritize and spend time on the things that matter first so that interruptions can be seen as opportunities instead of burdens. Listen, I almost took this one out. Like 45 times, I almost took this one out. Because the idea of goal setting and, and margin don't typically go hand in hand. But, but the more I thought about it, the more I discovered that in my own personal life, this is the area that I have to focus the majority of my attention so that I can set margin in my life. If I allow myself to get distracted and behind on the things that matter most, it makes me inaccessible to others. But when I set goals and I prioritize and I tackle the first things first, then it allows me to see interruptions as an opportunity to minister to people and love on people in the way that Jesus has called me to. See, in my life, the gateway to margin is in setting goals. What's it gonna take for you? What's it gonna take for you to build and protect margin in your life? What's clogging up your life that needs to be taken care of so that ministry can flow through you again? Listen, I wanna end with a quote by, uh, by Levi Lusco. As a pastor and author, this is what he says, God will accomplish all he wants to do. The question is, will you let him do it through you? The question is, will you let him do it through you? You see, God wants to work through our generosity. He wants to work through our margin. He wants to work through our response to tomorrow's interruption. But the truth is, we've got to do the hard work of removing the clog, of setting up our life, aligning it around this idea of margin so that we can position ourselves in the best possible place to be open to whatever it is he wants to do through us. That's our goal and that's what we're calling you to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have busy lives and a lot of times we have busy lives because we think we have to. God, we're spread thin in our finances and we're spread thin in our energy and God, we just don't have anything left to give God, a lot of times we settle for busy when what you really want for us is, is significance and ministry and, and life change. And so God, in the places where we're holding on so tightly to the things that fill our lives to the brim, Lord, I pray that you give us the strength to open up our hands and to say, I'm, I'm gonna surrender some of these things. I'm gonna realign my life. I'm gonna make the necessary changes. I'm gonna get rid of the clog so that I can experience the ministry that you wanna do through me. God, more than we want anything else in this world, we want what you have in store for us. More than we want anything else in this world, we want you to use us to change the world around us. So God, I pray that you convict us in the right areas and then give us the strength to let go and embrace your plan only. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridge.online.